0: Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to remind you that my short story is available for free at johntilton.com. If you sign up for my newsletter, I'll send you both the ebook and audiobook of Doomed Dune. In this middle-grade adventure, a girl named Melina travels to a forbidden landmark guarded by tyrannical robots, but her life turns upside down when she discovers a true reason it's off-limits. Discover Doom Dune's secret by heading over to johntilton.com. That's J-O-N-T-I-L-T-O-N dot com. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Cause of Craft. I'm your host, John Tilton. Why do we create? Where do our ideas come from? What does our craft say about us? These are the ideas we explore here on the show. Each episode, I interview a different guest, from writers and painters to musicians and filmmakers. Together, we investigate the creative process and the reasons behind why we create. We often wish we could make things with a simple snap of our fingers. But it takes a lot of work to create and improve our craft. Mixed media artist, Amanda Spence, joins the show to discuss her journey. She shares how consistent practice and reflection helped her grow as an artist. We also talk about getting out of our comfort zones and similarities across artistic disciplines. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider sharing your favorite episode with a friend. It really helps the show grow, and I appreciate your support. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thank you so much, Amanda, for joining the podcast. I'm very excited to talk with you.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Now, with all the visual artists that come on the podcast, I like to show everyone their website or Instagram just so they can see a little bit of the artwork that we're talking about. What's the best way for people to see your work?
1: The best way is probably through Instagram or Facebook. I, my business name there is Between Elm and Oak. And I also have a website, which is just betweenelmandoak.com.
0: Great. And I've been on the website a lot today, just admiring your beautiful work here. And the title here, Between Elm and Oak, really does signify, I think, the feel of your art because it feels very, like there's a lot of color tones from nature. It feels like you're very inspired by the natural world. Uh, Is that true? And if so, can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yes, I would say that nature is probably the place that I draw the most inspiration for my art, definitely, especially color palettes. Things like that are almost always from a place I've visited or something I'm trying to capture, maybe that I've captured outside with my camera and then bring it into the studio. Between Elm and Oak became my business name because I do live in an old farmhouse that's between two really huge, well established. Trees, a large, probably 300-plus-year-old oak tree in my backyard, and then a very large elm tree in my front yard. My studio is in between them, so that was kind of the inspiration for that. I live in this really, what I consider to be a very beautiful, unique space and place um, in northeastern North Carolina. I tell people, if you want kind of a visual, the book that just came out, Where the crawl Dad Sings, that's really popular, that is kind of set based upon where I live. It's a marsh swamp, but close to the ocean, surrounded by a lot of just really beautiful landscape. I've lived here my entire life in this little corner of the world. And I am so inspired by this place, and I have never even really thought of living anywhere else. I um, grew up in the outdoors, on boats and on the water, and a lot of my art comes from just what I have seen and what I've grown up around, and I'm just so inspired by everything natural, everything outdoors. So um, I'm glad that feeling kind of comes through to you just when you're you're seeing my art.
0: I was thinking a lot about when I was looking at your work, how you have this kind of great mix between having complexity, but also keeping things simple. And I know in my writing, that's a constant thing that I'm trying to balance, make sure things have a complexity to them, but also offer this simplicity, which seems like a contradictory goal. But I, I think artists can... Relate to this across all disciplines.
1: Right. Yeah. I totally think pairing back and editing and being reserved kind of is much harder than uh, laying it all out. And that's something I've had to learn over time as an artist. I think if you look at a lot of my earlier work, it tends to not be on the simple side, be a little more complicated, and sometimes what I would consider to be even cluttered when I look back at it now. And I think that for me, um, when I start with something, I typically start with in one specific place. So, with some of the collections I've done in the past, I have started with a color palette, for example, that will be based on um, maybe a, a specific location that I've taken a lot of photography from. I love to go out and take photographs and then bring those in and then kind of Um, highlight shapes that I love, textures that I found that I liked, colors, and draw inspiration from that. So that's one approach that I kind of have to focus a little bit more on work. Another approach that I kind of have is to focus on one specific subject matter um, some of my art you'll see when I do like floral art, any kind of abstract floors, for example, I typically focus on one flower. It's just a easy way for me to kind of really hone in on what does this flower really look like, not just realistically, but if I took it into the abstract, what are the shapes, what are the colors, and kind of focusing in and being specific for one subject matter in that regard um and then i would say the third approach that i've kind of taken and this is probably a little bit more unique to me i think a lot of artists can say you know we look they they kind of look at maybe a place that inspires them or a specific subject but to me i was an english major in college and was actually a high school english teacher before i became a, a full-time artist and so i'm very inspired by words and um, language. And I like to sometimes, like I have a collection that I did a while back and I live in a place where there is this, it's called brackish water. So water that's not fully fresh water, not fully salt water, but a combination of the two. And so that word and the idea of brackish water just kind of intrigued me a lot. So I did an entire collection where I was just kind of exploring to me the colors, the wildlife, the different things that I was researching and falling in love with about the concept of just brackish water. my brack water collection is what I called it. That's another way that I focus, which probably that one is a little more specific to someone who also loves language. But I think one of those three approaches typically is How I narrow in and try to focus because it is uh, by far what you leave out is much harder than what you put in with art, I think, sometimes.
0: So it's interesting to hear you take one word like brackish that you're taking here and it helps you hone in on something specific. Whereas I think about how I'm starting with maybe a bunch of little words that aren't as great and then I'm trying to search for the one that I can like you said, pare down what I have around in the paragraph, in the sentence, in the phrasing and focus those words into something more specific to create the visual that I want to create in my reader's mind. It almost seems like with your work, it's the reverse because you're adding paint to the canvas, right? Whereas I'm whittling down the words into something more specific. I'm not sure what your process is like, but I'm imagining you're not like scooping globs of paint off back off of the canvas uh, to kind of clear the work that you've done before, but instead you're being more intentional with what you're adding in the first place.
1: Yeah, that is true in a lot of cases. A lot of my work is layered. So when I'm not sitting down all at one time is what I mean by that to start to finish, I'll be waiting for something to dry and then come back over top of that. Um, So there's not any kind of mixing or anything like that. So I think that for me, and there are there are definitely times when I come back over with even white paint if I need to, or, you know, black and, and take some things out. But when you're layering, and I think a lot of mixed media artists have this experience because mixed media refers to the fact that we're not just using paint. Sometimes I'm using inks. Sometimes I'm using collage materials. Sometimes, you know, I'm using things that are like a watercolor or something that's much more runny. So it's, The idea of the layers and I have the ability then to kind of take out things that I don't like in a work that, or I don't like the overall composition of it. I can change it by simply giving what I've done time to dry, time to set, and then I can come back over with another layer of something that adds another kind of element of complexity to it but um, takes out what I'm trying to take out, if that makes sense. So you can definitely uh, edit, I feel like, in artwork and especially in mixed media if you have knowledge of different kinds of media. And that tends to be how I do things personally is just build another layer if there's something that I think is missing or something that I want to change in in a piece of work.
0: A lot of times, things come up where across disciplines, the work part of it ends up being a lot more similar. Like the process ends up being more similar than you might think. And so, I was here assuming, oh, it must be similar, but this other way around. But the way you just described it is almost just like a uh, like a metaphor for what I'm doing. Going back over things uh, you mentioned, like letting things dry. And just for me, taking a step back away from it can help me to see things and see what I need to add or subtract. And that is really cool that you have this process that's almost like, I guess, back to like a writing correlation. It's almost like painting the white out over the words and backspace on the keyboard and just rewriting. That's the similarity and sort of the tactile part of it.
1: I found with a lot of creativity in general is that the process of creativity tends to go across disciplines. There is a process to all forms of creativity, and there's a lot of overlap, whether it's writing or like what I do with art or even with music and songwriting. There tends to be a lot of overlap, I think, just because the process of creating does have this kind of woven similarity through all different genres.
0: And on your website, you describe yourself as an accidental artist, which I just think is a term I have to ask you about. <laughs> so how did art come about in your life? And what made you start doing this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I came up with that because I was trying to describe what I was when I first started kind of on Instagram and wanted to Kind of um, have a short synopsis about me, and so the accidental artist is pretty much what it sounds. I was not an artist from the beginning, kind of. I guess like I, I was a creative kid for sure. I loved crafting and I loved working with my hands. I loved writing. I loved poetry. That's what I did in college, and I never really. Saw myself, thought of myself as, oh, I want to go study art. I want to be an artist. This is what I want to do with my life. And things kind of changed as they tend to do when you become an adult. I was a teacher. I taught high school English. I loved it. I loved teaching writing. And I loved teaching that age group, teenagers. And then as life happens and I had children, I decided that I wanted to be at home when they were babies and have that opportunity to be a stay-at-home mom, I was very blessed that my husband's work and our financial situation allowed me to do that. So we had our kids all close together. I had three kids in five years. And so here I was, a stay-at-home mom with a bunch of littles around me. And I think I went through the process a lot of moms go through of just kind of getting lost a little bit in motherhood, especially when you have that many littles all the time that are are needing your care and attention. And so I started looking for an outlet, kind of. I didn't really feel inspired to write at the time. I was reading a lot, but I wanted something that was something I could go do that was out of my house and that I could have a little me time. And I found some local... Classes that were art journaling classes um, at a local studio where I was living. And I started doing those in the evening. Within about a year and a half of me starting those classes, I set up a little studio in my house. And about another year after that, I created an Instagram account and just started sharing some of my work. And then before I knew it, um, some of my work was selling and I was doing more and more. And Fast forward to now, and I am a full-time working artist, so it is kind of funny how that all happened. I never would have planned it that way, but I absolutely love what I'm doing and I'm very passionate about what I'm doing, and everything has worked out so much better than I ever could have um, even imagined just because I followed things I was passionate about and did some scary things and put my artwork out there. And it's all been great.
0: You mentioned scary things. Was there a particular step that was either more difficult or felt like you were taking a bigger plunge than you had prior to that?
1: Yeah, I think just the first kind of scary quote unquote thing that I did was just even starting an Instagram account. I think a lot of people that don't have like formal art training or are kind of people that are self taught artists like I was and that are just getting into being creative and as far as visual art when they're a little bit older. It can be scary to like put your stuff out there because sometimes it's it's not even like I look back now on some of my early work and I'm so embarrassed. It's just I, I'm like, oh my goodness, why did I ever share that? But at the time, it was the best that I was doing. It was part of my practice and just kind of creating that Instagram account and saying and showing people that I knew, even my friends that really didn't even know that I was diving into art, um, showing those things in the beginning was, was pretty scary. And then another thing, I think that the thing that kind of stands out is as I started sharing my art, even pretty early on, um, I live in a small town and a local, our local kind of arts council association saw some of my work and they asked me to do a show. And at the time I had only sold a handful of paintings. Like I had was not a, you know, even like somebody who was really putting my work out there for sale much. And they asked me to be a featured artist and to do a a show in their gallery And I, um, and they wanted it to be a big show because it was for December, which is a big holiday buying season in their gallery. So I did a 36 piece collection, um, for that gallery. And that was very scary for me at the time. It was something that I didn't really imagine myself doing. And I'm so glad that I did it. I met so many people through doing that and just taking that leap. It was definitely, I didn't feel equipped for it, but I did it at the time and we got it done 36 pieces and it was a great show. And I'm I'm still very proud of a lot of that work.
0: It's also cool to hear the naturalness of the path too. So there's these big moments of it, almost if you're climbing a mountain, you're reaching these kind of checkpoints, maybe ahead of where, <laughs> where you think they're going to show up. And so that's cool for how you're being pushed to the next level. But I think a lot of people who maybe daydream about becoming an artist or a writer or a musician or something like this, they have this idea that, well, maybe like if I snap my fingers hard enough, it'll happen at some sort of magic moment yeah. when really, no matter how you're getting into it, whether it be this accidental route like like you are, or if you're doing an intentional route, these things take time and there's there's different points along the way that are part of the journey and it doesn't necessarily look like how you would draw it up if you were to plan out a art career, but it sort of comes at you once you start down that path, whether it be again, accidentally or intentionally.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that sharing and just being brave is such a big part of it and doing that consistently. I think that a lot of people, like you said, they they expect to kind of the like, oh, you know, I'm going to share a few things and then hopefully, it, you know, it just goes viral. We live in such a viral culture, you know, everybody wants to go viral. But the reality is, is I'm sure, you know, as a writer, I think writers probably know this more than any, any other, um, you know, kind of genre is that. You, you have to just show up every day and do the work. And there are a whole lot of days in between those big moments of big things happening or opportunities coming. And you still have to show up every single day and you have to paint or write or compose, whatever it is you're doing, and you have to just practice your craft. And then along the way, things come. But a a lot of it is just work. I mean, that's a lot of art is just work. That is the reality of it that I think a lot of people don't necessarily like to hear about sometimes.
0: Yeah, I agree. There's definitely a misconception in that specific area where people and and there are moments of like creativity striking you like lightning, right? Like there is these moments like aha moments. But a lot of times those come after a lot of work. But again, it's I think people tend to say, oh, I'm going to wait for this inspiration to strike when if you're at your workspace working on something, that is what... Like if I'm ever stuck with writer's block, I don't come out of it by not working. <laughs> like like right. I, I come out of it by continuing, maybe maybe I have to look at it from a different angle, or maybe I have to step away and work on a different bit of it. But the answer isn't just going to magically come up, or it's only going to come up if I continue pushing forward, even if that's just pushing it in a different direction than I was trying to before.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think that um, if you just sit around and wait for inspiration to strike, you will not have a very large body of work at all. <laughs> and um, I think that you probably have this similar experience to me that sometimes I have to uh, create a lot of bad things before I get to the good things. I, there are There's a lot of art that doesn't see the light of day that happens in my studio. And I'm sure that, you know, there's a lot of things you write that no one will ever read or that gets backspaced and changed. And I think that that's part of the process too, that you have to, you know, for me, in order for the good art to come, there's a lot of times when I have to practice techniques, I have to create a lot of things that I don't love in order to get to things that I do love
0: yeah 100% and then there's this also kind of funny danger to that too because i think that's where a lot of the scary bits and the fear that you talked about earlier do stem from is once you become aware that like oh not everything i touch is going to be gold and like you know and <laughs> and and sometimes i have rose colored glasses of the creator <laughs> because i made it and so it's a lot of trying to figure out well what what actually does make something good and so you mentioned you had work that you Posted or sold, maybe even you had older work that you look at and you're kind of embarrassed about today. And so, so that work versus today, what did you find? How did you grow? Was it a a mix of like self assessment and finding a mentor or reading books about art? What, What kind of were the big parts of your journey of realizing how you could improve your craft and make it better? the more that you did it?
1: Practice is a big part of it, like we've kind of already talked about. But for me, I think that finding my voice, so to speak, as an artist has come over time. I think a lot of my earlier work, I emulated a lot of people whose work I loved. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that that's a good way for you to explore um, and especially in the beginning, if you're not sure what your style is and I think I had to really sit back and reflect on what I wanted my art to say, what did I wanted my art to feel like when people saw it and from there, I began to really explore okay what what do I really like and I did a lot of that by looking at other people's work, looking at um, even, the drawings and sketchings and different things of famous artists that we all know, but not necessarily their well-known pieces. I think a lot of it for me was just kind of this process of reflection, if I had to say anything. I I keep I do journal a lot, and I write about pieces, what I like about them, what I don't like, what worked, what didn't work. And just trying to kind of keep notes on those kinds of things and really finding what I wanted my art to feel like. It's kind of strange. I think a lot of things came together for me in a way when my kids got older and I had time to devote to really sitting down and reflecting a lot of those earlier pieces it, it was me trying to just create something and having time that I could find and steal away to create something. And now I have the opportunity to really sit, look at a piece and think about it for a while if I need to put it away and come back to it if I need to. And that has kind of really helped me um, just with the reflective nature of how I like to create things. It's very rare that I sit down and finish. I I would say not even very rare. It's probably never that I sit down and create a piece start to finish. It takes multiple sessions for me. And I think that that's part of my process as far as reflecting on that. I I just think it takes with artists, I, I would say, find, you know, you have to find what you love and then you have to do it over and over and over again until you have your kind of mark on it and stamp on it.
0: And so we talked a lot about your process here. And we also talked about how you came into all this with needing an outlet or wanting an outlet. And it progresses to something beyond what you probably originally expected here. Yeah. And now that you you know you're saying your kids are older and now that this is I you know maybe at this point you need an outlet from the original outlet you know because it's fun yeah. work for you and things like that but the question I always wrap the show up with is why do you create so now that it's become something beyond the outlet that it was what is it that keeps you wanting to improve your craft and give
1: your art to the world? So this question is something that you think about a lot, I think, when it becomes your your job, because work is work, no matter what you're doing. And so when I think about this, I go back to kind of a philosophy that I live my life by, and um, it comes from a, a poem that a poet you might have heard of, Mary Oliver, and she has this, this stanza in one of her poems. It's, it says, instructions for living a life, pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. And I think for me, I'm at this stage where I really want that to be my life. I want to pay attention to the things around me. I want to be astonished by them. And my art is the way that I tell about it. And so for me, I create because it gives me a language to communicate with people and a way to almost make friends. I know that that's that's a strange kind of thing, but my art hangs in people's homes And I love the idea that I get to create something that somebody else gets to see and enjoy and they might see and enjoy it and value it for a totally different reason than why I created it. But I just love that. And I I love that I get to share that common experience with people.
0: Well, I think those are beautiful reasons to create. And I've loved listening to your insights here. And I'm so thankful that you agreed to come on the show and share this with us. Can you remind everyone one more time where to find your artwork, your website, your Instagram?
1: Sure. I am on Instagram and Facebook as Between Elm and Oak. And then my website is just BetweenElmAndOak.com.
0: Well, great. Thanks again, Amanda. It was a pleasure to have you on.
1: Thank you so much. It was great talking to you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause of Craft. You can find Amanda's artwork at betweenelmandoak.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Doing so helps others find the show and I appreciate your support. If you'd like more discussion about growing in your craft over time, check out episode 30 with game designer Sharon Meredith. She discusses her journey from Googling how to make a video game to actually producing one. And if you have feedback, suggestions, or guest recommendations, send an email to john at causeofcraft.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.